0: Welcome to Divine Life Dialogues with Reverend Dr. Autumn Renee Allen, that's me, and Reverend Michael Scott Allen, M.D. That's me. (laughs) We want to welcome you to our initial offering of Divine Life Dialogues. We are with the Alliance of Divine Life Ministry. And it is our great pleasure to introduce this new podcast that we will be sharing with you once a week. And um, you'll be able to get it from our website, www.allianceofdivinelife.com. So we want to welcome you. And we want to welcome your comments and your questions and thoughts and ideas that you have about eternal life. Because that's our focus. You know, one of the things that, that really struck us this last year is the distinction between what we are humorously calling the Death March and the Path to Eternal Life, or the Life March. And so that's going to be the topic that we talk about, that we touch on today, as much as we can, because that is the focus of our ministry. Now, many of you may be familiar with A Course in Miracles, which is the 2,000-page material that was gifted to Helen Schuchman, um, beginning, I believe, in 1965, uh, over a seven-year period through inner dictation. And Helen was a, an avowed militant atheist, and so she even questioned what she was receiving, Uh, The material was first published anonymously because she was not going to have her name put on it until after she passed over. And so we didn't find out who it was that was channeling this amazing information. And the author of the information describes himself as Jesus. And his whole purpose in gifting us with the wisdom through A Course in Miracles. He calls it a course, a mind training course.
1: And she, she was a medical psychologist at a medical school in uh, Manhattan, New York. So that, that's why he probably picked her because she was a medical psychologist. You know.
0: And because psychology relates to the way we think, and so on and so forth, yeah. So, um, t- talk a little bit about Bill. Okay, she had she had a helper here, and how this even came about.
1: Well, the chairman of the uh, the chairman of the psychology department. I think it might have been Presbyterian Hospital or a medical school and. In- Manhattan, he he. Bill was the chairman of the department, so she was one of the professors of medical psychology. And so, one time, Bill said, "This isn't working. You know all the all the stuff they were doing to try to help the patients, all their psychological stuff, training and Jungian and Freudian and everything." He goes, "This." And isn't they were working. having
0: conflicts among the staff as well because right. it wasn't working.
1: He said, "There's got to be a better way," and that's when she started having these dreams. And and. So she started writing down the dreams. She would tell Bill the next day and Bill would write down what her experiences were. He he said, let's run with this. So eventually after several weeks or months, the voice of wisdom that was talking to them and I am the pent- pentameter finally identified himself as Jesus Christ and of course she's a, She's a radical atheist. <laughs> so, uh, but Bill said, let's continue with this. And so I took, the whole project took 11 years before it was published. It was, it was amazing. Just to just to buy the book and read the forward is amazing.
0: Now, I first became aware of A Course in Miracles through um, a church here in Dallas that I attended, the Unity Church of Dallas. And at that time, um, the main minister was a man named Donald Curtis and he had a whole background with Ernest Holmes and and um, just a whole bunch of metaphysical names of books and materials and so on and so forth and he mentioned A Course in Miracles and he was was actually holding classes talking about the lessons in A Course in Miracles I purchased the material at that time, it was uh, available in three separate books. Um, there are three segments in, in the now published one volume book and the, it is the uh, text material which is very, it's, it's the concepts, the, the f- foundational architecture so to speak. And then there is the student workbook, which are the practical everyday steps that we should take in order to change our thinking. And then there's the teacher's manual. And one of the things that is fascinating about this, my background is having been a teacher in public school. And one of the very first things that Jesus talks about in this material is that you're both pupil and teacher at the same time. And you see, I realized this when I was first teaching school as a brand new teacher, I recognized that I was learning as much from the questions that my students asked me as maybe I was learning more than they were. And then later when I became a minister and I'm teaching some coursework about divine love, I'm really realizing through the whole time that I am teaching this this course information, it's I would learn something at a deeper and deeper and deeper level. So we're all students and teachers at the same time. So the last thing, the teacher's manual really is for everyone. So, but we wanna talk about the distinction between the Death March and the Life March. And the reason that we want to talk about that is because we want you to be able to understand the distinction that we're making. So talk a little bit about, Dr. Allen, talk a little bit about about the distinction that churches, you know, Protestant and Catholic churches, the Hindus... Uh, Yogananda's group, you know. What kind of distinctions do they make? Well, At least in your experience?
1: Well, up until recently, I'm assuming, like everybody else, that the death march is what happens here. It's just the law of nature. You're born, you die. You know, you're know, you born, you get old, you get sick, you die. And then you have to hope for something later, like eternal life <laughs> You have to hope that Jesus and all of them are not are telling the truth, you know. And, uh, but it turns out, The Course in Miracles is uh, one of these things that the truth is stranger than fiction. You know, I've been been studying for two years, and the more you read about it, the more radical it is, and Jesus was definitely radical, but. um, So our our whole point is that maybe, um, maybe the death march is just a choice because you believe that's what this world is about, and maybe God's laws are different than the law of nature. Maybe God's laws are that um you don't have to die to experience eternal life. You don't have to get cremated and then like one of Yogananda's teachers, um, Sri Textor, he was cremated and he came he appeared to Yogananda later on in a physical body, and Yogananda hugged him and he was real. He you know, touched his shoes and got up and hugged him and shri texvar said you you see this as a physical body but i see our bodies as being um you know fractal patterns of light we're just like a hologram and so um maybe you don't have to be cremated to come back in this body that's young and healthy you know <laughs> that uh and th- that's what jesus says in there it's all your mind and, and he talks about all these miracles in this 2000 page book and you know, in the Bible, he says, because I go to the Father, even greater things than these you will do. So where is that happening, you know? And then he says in the Bible, you are the light of the world. So he's-
0: everything, the, the, everything that I have found, and I, I started, my first exposure to A Course in Miracles was in 1981, and I went through it in about six weeks, and then didn't look at it again until four years ago when you and i were together at a conference and someone mentioned a course in miracles and i'm looking for something to help those people that i am charged with guiding and that was the answer and so i've been studying i mean really studying it for the last four years getting up at three thirty in the morning um, for probably the last four or five years. Because it actually started before we we attended that that meeting. Now, so the the this this whole idea of death, if you take if you take a look at it, you know, it Jesus says in a course of miracles that what's happening is that these other religions are compromising with death. He makes this huge distinction between the world and heaven.
1: He says, "You know, he said, my is none of this world. Um, and so this world, according to Jesus, is essentially an illusion that you're, you're projecting your reality and you see what you're projecting from your mind with your physical eyes, you see the illusion, we've all agreed on what the illusion is that you get sick and old and die. But Jesus would see people through the Christ vision and he would see the truth. And he says in the Gospel of Thomas somewhere that the the kingdom's laid out before you, but you don't see it. Or the heaven's laid out before you, but you don't see it. And so... um,
0: So how do we see it? What are some of the first steps to us recognizing what... Helen Shuckman recognized as this inner vision she had, she started hearing the voice that was talking to her. Mm -hmm. I know when I was, I, I can't remember a time when I didn't have a voice talking to me. And I mean, I just, I really can't, I can remember questioning that voice when I was about 15 and I finally you know it was really it's been the focus of my life I the question has always been for me how do we get what we get in life I mean you start looking around and you see people who have very little and yet they're very happy and then you see the Hollywood types they have everything under the sun and they're miserable they're divorcing one another and they're cheating on one another and they're you know and then we've got business people and politicians lying and carrying on and I'm like okay okay so this is this is there's something about the way this works that I don't know about and so that's what's been my focus from the beginning and one of the things And this is from A Course in Miracles. I think one of the first steps is recognizing my self, with a capital S, that's your God self. That's what I call your God self, is ruler of the universe. Woo! I mean, Jesus told us in the New Testament, greater things than these, you will do. You know, we think he was pretty special and yet he calls us friend. He says we're the same. It is impossible that anything should come to me unbidden by myself. I'm going to read this to you because I think it's important because this is the place to start. Even in this world. It is I who rule my destiny. And see, I think that's the place where, when most people wake up, and they recognize they're responsible for the crap that's happening in their lives, and because they don't like it, they're mm-hmm. in a lot of pain. Okay, <laughs> they're in a lot of pain. Yeah,
1: it's happening all of us. You know, all of us. You're you're physically you become physically ill. You lose your relationship, or you lose your job. Those are the three ways that you realize that you're not in alignment with God.
0: Okay, now listen to what Jesus says. He says, what happens is what I desire. (laughs) No, I didn't ask for this pain. I didn't ask for that. Okay. What does not occur is what I do not want to happen. Do you see he is putting right there in our laps... The responsibility of creator.
1: Most people don't want to have that responsibility. That's right. They want to be a child of God. They don't want to grow up and become a son of God.
0: He goes on to say, This must I accept. For thus am I led past this world to my creations. Children of my will in heaven where my holy self abides with them and him who has created me. You are the self whom you created, son, creating like yourself and one with you. My self, which rules the universe, is but your will in perfect union with my own. Which can but offer glad assent to yours that it may be extended to itself. There is so much. This is lesson two fifty three. For those of you that have a course in miracles, you might want to refer to it.
1: Yeah, there's three hundred and sixty five lessons so you can do it in a year and it's like training to be a a martial artist where you um You have to do the actual training in the workshop to get it to work. You know, it's like you can't become a martial artist expert. You can't become a black belt without actually practicing. And you're practicing with your mind and your consciousness.
0: Well, so I want to go ahead because we're trying to help people understand the distinction here. And this is just going to be a quick overview, you guys. It's, we can't, this is, this is the focus of our ministry. And so it's going to take more than one session for us to really get to the nitty-gritty of it. But I want to read to you what Jesus says about death in the Teacher's Manual. It's it's like a, a, a page and a half, two pages, and it's thought-provoking, okay, first of all. But I'm hoping... That what you'll get from this is just kind of a quick sense of the direction, the distinction between death and eternal life. Because Jesus has been telling you from 2,000 years ago until today the same thing over and over and over again. And that is, the world is not eternal life. The world is not life.
1: This is a death planet.
0: (laughs) The death planet, wow.
1: Because of the beliefs we have here.
0: (laughs) Okay, so in uh, the teacher's manual number 27, the question is, what is death? Death is the central dream from which all illusions stem. It is not madness to think that life is being born, aging, losing vitality, and dying in the end. It is madness, isn't it? I think so. Most of us have had that thought, you know? Life's a bitch and then you die, and that's it. Is that all life is? We have asked this question before, but now we need to consider it still more carefully. It is the one fixed, unchangeable belief in the world that all things in it are born only to die. I wish think about that for a minute. This is regarded as, quote, the way of nature, not to be raised to question, but to be accepted as the natural law of life. The cyclic, the changing and unsure, the undependable and unsteady, waxing and waning in a certain way upon the certain path, all this is taken as the will of God. And no one asks if a benign creator could will this. Well, let's ask that question right now. In this perception of the universe as God created it, it would not be possible to think of Him as loving. For who has decreed that all things pass away, ending in dust and disappointment and despair, can but be feared? He holds your little life in His hand, but by a thread ready to break it off without regret or care, perhaps today. Or, if he waits, yet is the ending certain. Who loves such a God knows not of love, because he has denied that life is real. Death has become life's symbol. His world is now a battleground. Where contradiction reigns and opposites make endless war. Where there is death, is peace impossible. Death is the symbol of fear of God. His love is blotted out in the idea which holds it from awareness like a shield held to obscure the sun. The grimness of the symbol is enough to show it cannot coexist with God. It holds an image of the Son of God in which he is, quote, laid to rest in devastation's arms where worms await to greet him and to last a little while by his destruction. Yet the worms as well are doomed to be destroyed as certainly. And so do all things live because of death. Devouring is nature's, quote, law of life. God is insane and fear alone is real. Now the curious belief that there is part of dying things that may go on apart from what will die does not proclaim a loving God, nor reestablish any grounds for trust. And what is that part that goes on apart from the dying? Well, our churches have said it's the soul, don't you think?
1: Mm -hmm. I'm still a little confused. And so that's the
0: compromise. No, that's, that's one of the compromises. That our churches have made. Jesus talks about that.
1: Yeah. Trying to rationalize and make it fit.
0: Exactly. If death is real for anything, there is no life. Death denies life. But if there is reality in life, death is denied. No compromise in this is possible. There is either a God of fear or one of love. Okay, this is where we come down, folks, on the division here, the distinction. The world attempts a thousand compromises and will attempt a thousand more. Not one can be acceptable to God's teachers because not one can be acceptable to God he did not make death because he did not make fear both are equally meaningless to him Woo! death as far as God is concerned is not real
1: it's just an illusion that we've created it's here. an illusion that that's it yeah.
0: the body and of course of course in miracles for those of you that are not familiar with it, makes that distinction between the mind and the body. So the reality of death is firmly rooted in the belief that God's son is a body. And if God created bodies, death would indeed be real. But God would not be loving. There is no point at which the contrast between the perception of the real world and that of the world of illusions becomes more sharply evident. Death is indeed the death of God if he is love. And now his own creation must stand in fear of him. He is not father but destroyer. He is not creator but avenger. And terrible his thoughts and fearful his image. To look on his creations is to die. And at last, to be overcome will be death. Of course, without the idea of death, there is no world. Now think about that. Think about it. The cycle of nature is to do what? It goes through that cycle of birth and death, birth and death, birth and death. All dreams will end with this one. All illusions will end with this one. This is salvation's final goal, the end of all illusions. And in death are all illusions born. What can be born of death and still have life? But what is born of God and still can die? The inconsistencies, the compromises, the rituals which the world fosters in its vain attempts to cling to death and yet to think love real are mindless, magic, ineffectual, and meaningless. I think that pretty much says it all. (laughs) God is, and in him, all created things must be eternal. That is why we are choosing eternal life. Do you not see that otherwise he has an opposite and fear would be as real as love? Teacher of God, your one assignment could be stated thus accept no compromise in which death plays a part. Do not believe in cruelty nor let attack conceal the truth from you. What seems to die but been misperceived has but been misperceived and carried to illusion. Now it becomes your task to let the illusion be carried to the truth. Be steadfast in this. Be not deceived by the reality of any changing form. Truth neither moves nor wavers nor sinks down to death and disillusion. And what is the end of death? Nothing but this. The realization that the Son of God... That's you. That the Son of God is guiltless now and forever. Forever. Nothing but this. But do not let yourself forget it is not less than this. The Son of God is guiltless now and forever. So with that, we're going to close today. And thank you for being here and listening. We're interested in your comments and, and uh, questions. And we will see you next week with another episode of...
1: Divine Life Dialogues.
0: <laughs> okay. Thanks and take care.